0: This is Defiant Wrestling's James R. Kennedy, top class, middle initial, bottom line, and you, my friends, are listening to the wonderful Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet.
1: Welcome everyone to Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet, my name's Ross McLeod and I'm joined by a man who's top class, middle initial, bottom line, the greatest man with three first names since Neil Patrick Harris. His name, to his fans in Defiant and ICW, is a mere careless whisper in the wind. He's James R. Kennedy.
0: You just stole all my material. <laughs> <laughs> in, one, in one paragraph, you've just stole everything I have. I should go him now, to be honest. <laughs> How you doing, mate? I'm good, man. Thanks very much for having me.
1: Not at all. Right, so, well, before we start the interview, just a wee bit of housekeeping. work. can we find you on social media?
0: Uh, you can get me on Twitter, at Top Class Kennedy. And you can follow my girlfriend as well, <laughs> at Selena Gomez as well. Please stop sending her all these messages. It's disgusting. She doesn't certainly doesn't want any pictures, any of that. Uh, send them to me instead so I can have a laugh at them.
1: Fair enough. You can find us on all social media platforms, at Suplex Retweet, and you can also use that to find us on Spotify, Anchor, iTunes, and all good Android podcasting sites. We welcome all feedback. That's five stars. Anything else, please take elsewhere. And... As we start this interview, we'll start it half the way we do all our interviews. Why are you passionate about pro wrestling and where did that passion come from?
0: You know, it's like when you're grown up, it's just you get to that age as a wee guy where like, I don't know if you guys went through it, but like I had an older sister. So I was just the only boy and I had an older sister. So I kind of like liked everything she liked, which is dangerous, by the way, because that includes like Spice Girls and stuff like that. You know what I mean? And then you get to this age where you start thinking you want your own interests Wrestling accidentally was one of them I was over at my... My dad's a musician And he has been for about forty years now, professionally So he was away a lot when I was a kid Not in a bad way I hastened to like Saw a lot of them, But he did go on tour and stuff like that So my mum would have to find babysitters and stuff for me and my sister when we were younger And the next door neighbour just happened to be one So we used to go over to hers a lot And her oldest son, Ross... Was a huge wrestling fan. Good it's, it's a wonderful name, man. Eh? He was a handsome guy, like yourself as well. But Ross was a lovely guy. Always to me, even though he was about four or five years older, he used to actually go into the back garden quite a lot and kick a ball about and pretend to be Rangers. We used to pretend to be Rangers players and do the commentary, and then pretend to be Scotland players and all the rest of it. And through this, through going to his house, I found out that he had mountains of wrestling tapes, like the old VHS tapes. But he was a wee bit older than me, as I say, didn't really pay attention to them anymore. So he would let me take them back home with me. Because I'll be honest, when I saw the covers of them, I just thought, this is like cartoons or something. I, I didn't really, I don't remember looking at them and going, oh, this is like fighting or anything. I just remember thinking, what is this? this is like the ultimate warrior and stuff. So on them, these big colourful personalities. So that was where my love affair started. I remember the very first wrestling I saw was his VHS tape of WrestleMania 3. Oh, nice. And that's going back a bit. And it wasn't, obviously, in 1987 when that happened. This is years beyond that. But he had the tape on and he was watching the main event, Hogan Andre, and, yeah, it just snowballed from there. I think I was at his door every day to get a new tape, like, to swap it with it, like... Honestly, every single day, but bless his parents who were really patient with me, and that was it. And then eventually, obviously, my mum and dad started seeing that I liked this stuff, and they started buying me my own tapes, magazines and stuff, and it snowballed from there. So I've always been passionate about it, always loved it, and always written about it from a young age as well, which is probably quite odd, but I had to find an outlet for it. No one else around me liked it, so (laughs) I had to find something.
1: Fair enough. And so our next question, and these are his words, not mine, (laughs) it's from... The, in brackets, true defiant commentator of the year, Dave Bradshaw. <laughs> right? And he has a three-part question for you. Okay. So, number one, how many curtains had to die to create your latest jacket? <laughs> oh,
0: Jesus. <laughs> you couldn't count them on your own hands. Honestly, it was a curtain massacre <laughs> around these parts. My granny's good curtains as well.
1: She was, she was raging, so she was. Question two, what's with wearing sunglasses indoors? Do you have an eye disorder? Well, I actually do as well, but that's not the reason why I'm just weird. <laughs>
0: nah, it's just one of these things. Have you ever heard Bret Hart? It was in his book actually, he talked about it. When he started doing promos, he found that his eyes were going crazy. Like, they just he couldn't keep them still. It was just a twitch he had. He was nervous. So he thought by wearing shades, it would cover that up. Batista said something similar, because I mean, I don't know what he's got to be shy about or, <laughs> you know, like self conscious about, but he was. So he used to wear shades all the time. Very similar for myself It was just It removes A little bit of the Like kind of personal side of it If that makes sense It's just I don't know It is almost like Hiding behind something mm-hmm. Like a mask or something But it did help me In the early days And then I just Kind of stuck with it And now I wear them to bed
1: Is it also so Dave doesn't see I roll his jokes
0: Oh no I don't need to roll now I just dig him in the ribs
1: <laughs> And question three From Dave Bradshaw He just says Why are you the way you are? <laughs>
0: Well, Dave, if you're listening to this, and I'm sure you are, because you don't have a social life. Uh, no, that's not true. Dave's got a better social life than me. Uh, twice the social life, in fact. Why am I the way I am? That's, I can't answer that question. How am I to, you'll need to ask my mother, Dave.
1: <laughs> so as we get back on track for that personal attack, and again, <laughs> his words not mine. How did you get your start in wrestling? Because a lot of the guys we ask here, it's a case of, oh, I went to Source, GPWA, we went to PWW all the great schools around Scotland. But how did you manage to start getting work as a manager and commentator?
0: To be honest, I really snuck in the back door. I was living on St Vincent Street in Glasgow in a basement flat. In about late 2010, and we were wait we just moved into the flat and we were waiting on the new router to come from Virgin Media. But it was really snowy that winter. Surprise, surprise, in Scotland. And it was like honestly, like in a basement flat, it's hellish. I don't know if you've ever lived in one. Don't do it if you if if you haven't. Honestly, like get out your front door, because obviously you're you're beneath the street, so it's a staircase down to it. And people and everything Vehicles and everything Just chuck the snow Down into you So trying to get out The door Is a challenge in itself And the they Wouldn't deliver the router So I used to go To the Mitchell Library And check my emails Facebook And stuff like that And one day I was on Facebook And I was waiting On my girlfriend To finish what she was doing So I was just killing time And I don't know If they've still got it But they used to have The people you may know Thing It, yeah. it will be somewhere But it used to be on Like the left or right Of the screen On your main timeline And I saw One Mark Dallas <laughs> On that And it was only A tiny wee thumbnail Of a picture But I could tell That he was in a wrestling ring And more to the point I could tell he wasn't A wrestler If that makes sense Mm -hmm. I thought he was a manager At first I had no idea He was the promoter And owner of ICW So I clicked his profile And indeed It said Owner of ICW Whatever So I don't know why Or what possessed I'd already messaged The SWA But at that time Their website was Without being harsh Pish Right, it was terrible it was awful I'm sure it's great now but I'd emailed them um, it was one of these old like site type things it was just, like loads of colors and stuff so I'd messaged them somehow find the, found the click here to email. Button And I get no response I was looking for a way in I was looking for Mm -hmm. uh, By that point I'd written about wrestling For a couple of years I wanted to do more I don't know what possessed me But I sent Mark Dallas a message I didn't send him a friend request I just sent him a message Mm -hmm. And I thought He might never see that And if he does He's probably not going to reply Because he'll get a lot of them Well sure enough It wasn't the next day But it was a couple of days later I went in And I had a message back from him And it was basically A challenge if you like Which was all right, okay, record a promo and send it to me. (laughs) And it was just happenstance as well that they were looking to introduce a character called the teen sensation Christopher. who was like a Justin Bieber ripoff and they wanted a guy to be his agent. So they were looking for a manager and I think he was just like, right, okay, do it. So my sister at the time was doing a course in photography through Open Uni. So I asked her very nicely if she would not film it for me, but set up a camera and leave the room because I was terrified, basically. Of doing this in front of anyone. So she did, and I cut the the worst promos. I wish I still had them because honestly, they're awful. Ted DiPiase, million dollar man rip offs in my pre mark suit, just uncomfortable. You know, I didn't know what was going on, I was just making up as I went along. Well, I sent these to Dallas, and for whatever reason, he liked it. And before, this is how quickly it happened, honestly, within like a week, I went from messaging this guy. Who had never met, who I wasn't even sure was a part of wrestling, to being booked on an ICW show. And um, things happened, or, you know, they're very different now. You couldn't really get in that way. Or, yeah. I don't think you could. Um, but he said to me, Go and speak to Kid Fight. He owns and runs the PBW Academy, and at that time it was a Disco Bride. I think it moved to Barhead, and now it's everywhere. So he said, go and speak to him. I want you to learn how to bump. And I'm going to put my hand on my heart here and say that I pretty much never did. I went to the training school, but I've always bumping's always been like this real weakness for mm-hmm. me I've never really wanted to be a wrestler I know that sounds odd I always wanted to be a commentator or a manager or write about it or do something non-physical with it maybe create storylines or characters or something so I never really wanted to become a wrestler so that was the tough part for me the, f- the physical part was the toughest part for me because even though they were fair they worked you hard because they're trying to weed out if you if you really want it you know mm-hmm. what I mean so I did really want it but I phoned my mum after the first training session greeting uh, because it was <laughs> It was sore You know I couldn't believe it I'd watched this for years And it was so painful So I did go to a couple of training sessions And maybe not as many as I should have So to sum it up uh, I did sneak in the back door a bit Because my very first show Was about a month after that And it was Christopher against Johnny Moss Jesus And I was terrified
1: Couldn't
0: But great experience I'm glad in a way That I was just a cheeky bastard And just sent him that message I think that's a lesson as well It's what I did with FSM And Walk Culture And everything I've managed to get in wrestling I've just been cheeky about it And I think you kind of have to be You know Mm -hmm. You have to put yourself out there Because the way I looked at it was No one's going to come and ask me To be a wrestling manager In my flat in Glasgow Mm -hmm. No one's going to knock on the door And go Do I I kick against Johnny Moss? Do I hit him with a steel chair? It's just not going to happen So I knew I had to put myself out there and out with my comfort zone. So I did, and it worked out well, and Mark Dallas was definitely the right guy to contact at that time.
1: Brilliant. This is not an open invitation, people, by the way. James nor Mark wants you to message them right now. <laughs> Mark's very busy, and, <laughs> and James does not want to be yelled at.
0: I get enough of that, trust me.
1: <laughs> so obviously you mentioned Teen Sensation Christopher. Some of the names you've managed that stick out are the likes of... Joe Henry you manage Kenny Williams. What's it like to see those guys doing so well after working with them? Could you always tell they were going to go far? Or was it a case of, like, they've surprised you with how far they've went?
0: It sounds like the cliched answer, but you knew. Mm-hmm. You know, that way you, you didn't know, like, how far or how quickly mm-hmm. they would rise up and become stars. You, just, you couldn't have known that. You could add a shot in the dark and said you thought it might happen, but you couldn't say for sure. But certainly with Joe Hendry If I'm being brutally honest with it I attached myself to Joe Hendry It wasn't the other way about Honestly, you can't get more honest than that It's the truth I saw him do a promo on ABC With Mark Dallas Where he was trying to get into the office And sing him a song or something it was like he's introductory promo And I was in the room And I'd finished my bit for the night And had a beer And I had to be silent and watch this anyway And there's loads of us trying to be quiet And Joe's doing this promo And I just saw him and I thought he's got something about him. I don't know what it is, he's just got something about him. And from that moment on, I remember I messaged him on Facebook. Seems to be my, my MO. Like just, <laughs> if, if, you're, if you're famous, expect a message from me sometime soon. But I just messaged him and I was like, at that point I'd finished up the story with, uh, Christopher, he disappeared mm-hmm. uh, For personal reasons And I was still managing Kenny Williams But I, know, or I, I knew at that point That ICW wanted to move him into a babyface role So they wanted to move him off me And I was looking... For I was in limbo, so I needed another client, and I thought Joe Hendry would be perfect for it. Because at that point, I was doing this character that was trying to cleanse ICW and make it WWE, make it Disney, Mm -hmm. make it wholesome for families and stuff. And you see how well that worked out. Um, (laughs) And Joe Hendry just seemed to fit that. He was doing this, like, he wouldn't swear. He was doing this family man singing gimmick. And it just seemed to fit. And I think at first he was a bit hesitant, because I don't think he wanted a manager. A lot of wrestlers don't. Mm -hmm. I think they look at it as... Is that a promoter saying I can't talk? Or, you know, you're giving me this guy to talk for me. Why can't I talk for myself? But then I think you realised that I'd been in ICW for a bit. I was already getting booed by fans. So it'd be an easy in for him, in a way. So that, that's how I became attached to Joe Henry. It was definitely me who made the first steps. And I know he wasn't up for it at first, but I like to think it, it turned into something pretty, pretty special. And, by the way, I'm by no means taking any credit for... I think he would have made it. If it no, was, if, regardless of what he did, he's just—you can just tell when you meet the guy that he's intense, but he's driven and he's um, determined to make something of himself, and he excels at everything he puts his mind to. Um, and that's something to, you know, that's something to say, "Wow, well done." And I, I did think that in the early days. I just thought he's got something about him. I want to be involved with him. For Kenny Williams, he came in just as part of a a tag team gimmick they wanted Mm -hmm. to turn the teen sensation into a a tag wrestler and Kenny Williams came in as like his younger cousin or his brother or (laughs) something like that so he came in that way and it probably took a while or a a bit longer for me to see what he had but you could always kind of tell that he had a natural charisma about him as well
1: Mm -hmm. Fair enough So before your recent brief return to ICW you were away for over two years what were you up to in that time and was there any opportunities for a comeback before you returned December 1st at France 99?
0: The return was
1: a total shocker to me.
0: I, I honestly thought it was bara mania in twenty sixteen. We did this thing where it was the fifty five against Polo Promotions, mm-hmm. and it was a throw in the like. You had to manager throws in the towel. Whichever manager throws in the towel, the team loses and the manager's gone. Mm-hmm. And I remember doing that. And I did this big thing. It, it wasn't planned, but I took off the gear that I was wearing—not all of it don't worry. <laughs> I took off like the jacket and the gloves and all that sort of stuff, and put it down in the middle of the ring and kind of walked out. And I remember Mark Dallas saying to me, "You'll be back here. You'll be back here. Like, mm-hmm. You know, let's, don't think that you're going anywhere." Well, I think the plan was to bring me back. But it just for varying reasons, it just never happened. And also, I started getting booked a lot down south. What culture started, WCPW, What Culture Pro Wrestling, which later became Defiant, and I started putting them all into that. And it just kind of ICW didn't fall out of my mind, but just you know that way where you've got like mates and you grow up a bit and you move on. Yeah, it was kind of like that, to be honest. And I kind of felt as if I did my time there or done my time there and maybe there was no use for me anymore. Then the return happened, and that was a complete shocker, but we can get into that if you like at some point.
1: <laughs> so, look, did they did they just call you up out the blue saying we need a commentator?
0: Yeah, I think it was something to do, it was just a short notice thing, where William Grange had, I think it was something to do with a, a holiday, or I, I don't really know the ins and outs of it, to be honest, but I know that he couldn't do the the Hydro Weekend short notice. Mm -hmm. So Billy Kirkwood called me and asked if I wanted to do it. And I was actually way down in Campbelltown on the West Coast where I grew up and I play a lot of like wedding gigs with my dad. Mm -hmm. And we were doing a run of gigs down there and I actually just... I remember when he phoned me, I was like, what should I do? Because I don't want to let my dad down. But this is also an opportunity. I've always... I always wanted to do commentary on ICW before I left and they would never let me do it. Mm -hmm. And I watched loads of people get opportunities and do it. And some of which... Some of whom were really good at it, don't get me wrong. But I always felt like... Bastard, I want that chance I just want to do it once Even for like a match that my wrestlers are involved in And I never got the opportunity So I'd went down south And I'd started to work as a commentator And I thought, right there when Kurt would phone me I thought, "Ah, okay like, But I know I can smooth things over with my dad I know he'll understand Yeah. And this is a kind of once in a lifetime opportunity for me You know, this is what I always wanted to do I always wanted to commentate in ICW Because it's such a as a colour commentator it's such a good product to commentate mm-hmm. because it's character based and storyline based and there's a lot to talk about and um, so I always wanted to do that so Kirkwood and I just phoned me one day out of the blue well he actually messaged me the day before on Twitter and he was like can we speak tomorrow and I had no idea at that point what it was about I, I genuinely didn't have a clue so then set up a time spoke to him and he told me that they wanted to bring me in for that weekend. And before you knew it, I was away suit shopping, <laughs> cutting up my granny's curtains, um, <laughs> trying to find a jacket for the hydro, which was a buzz because when I left ICW the first time, it was about six months before the first hydro show. Mm. So I never got to do one of them. I'd done the SECc, but not the hydro. Uh, and it was a buzz to be able to do that,
1: to be honest. It's, it's also it's like your Scottish bond. It's the hydro is the biggest stadium in Scotland. Mm-hmm if somebody's there and you get an opportunity it's like you have to take it yeah absolutely so obviously you mentioned Defiant on. Defiant's a place you've made your name for yourself down south you even managed Alex Gracie in the company's first televised match what was it like just seeing the former WCPW just it was almost like an overnight explosion what was it like being involved in that it's crazy
0: to be honest <clears throat> I mean I remember we were Backstage at a show And we'd only been a company For about four or five months At this point And we were doing this pay-per-view I, th- I think it was in Newcastle You think I'd fucking know Considering the story I'm about to tell But I don't <laughs> And Dan Who works incredibly hard Behind the scenes there um, And I know he's went on to do stuff With ITV With WOS And things like that And um, works in, A really hard-working guy And a really passionate guy About wrestling as well And really knowledgeable He pulled me aside And he knows What kind of wrestling fan I am My era is the early 90s Without a doubt That's what I grew up watching Guys like Bret the Hitman Hart, Shawn Michaels Etc, etc Then bled into Stone Cold Steve Austin The Rock Blah, blah, blah So he pulled me aside And he was like You're going to love this And I thought he was going to Tell me a joke or something Just by the way He pulled me aside And he was like You're interrupting Bret Hart Tonight And I was like Shut up You know I was like Fuck off No chance and he went, um, no, no, seriously, you are. He's going to be like out in the ring cutting this promo about the new tag team titles, how he was a tag team star in the Heart Foundation and he knows a good tag team when he sees one. He knows there's loads of them behind that curtain and then you guys are going to come out. He's, yous are not going to be in the tournament, but you're going to come out and basically protest against that, like the tag team that I managed, Prospect. You're going to basically come out, cut him off and calm everything under the sun. You need to go and talk to him now because it's, it's opening the show. And I was like... Okay, I'd just arrived and all the rest of it, (laughs) and sat down with Brett. And there's been a lot said and written about that guy, but I I I always say that you only go by how people treat you Mm -hmm. personally. You know, you can hear it. Wrestling's that kind of business. We hear so much. So I went and talked to him, and he said to me, um, I was really nervous when I spoke to him, obviously, because he was my childhood hero, and I asked him what I thought when it came out of my mouth, the worst question I could ask them, which was, what do you want to do then, tonight? And I, he kind of looked at me, and I thought, oh fuck, he's just going to say, like, I don't really care, you know. Mm-hmm. But I, actually, I just remember, he kind of like, tapped my knee, and he went, oh, this isn't about me. You know, I know you've got a young tag team, and I know we're introducing the tag titles. Say whatever you want. Like, rip into, they never said rip into me, but he, you know, he was like, tear Tear me a new one, etc. Say whatever you want. This is about you guys, not me. And I just thought that's really classy, mm-hmm. considering the fact that it's probably pretty difficult for Brett the Hitman Hart to get excited about anything to do with wrestling. <laughs> now you know like, he's turning up at this show just like oh, here we go another booking, blah blah. It's not he's, he's done everything, you know. Yeah, exactly. So it was. I thought it was really cool of him just to when he could have just been like oh, get out of here, you know, I don't care. He actually took the time to like. This is about you. Make put yourself over, don't worry about me or anything. I thought that was pretty cool. But I just stories like that encapsulate the WCPW experience for me because in the early days it was just amazing to be on shows with like Kurt Angle and guys like that. You know, it's just like you can run through the whole list. I mean, I did a pay-per-view that the main event was Del Rio versus Kurt Angle. Mm -hmm. And there was another one that was like Cody Rhodes. I mean, it's just when you're a wee boy watching wrestling mm-hmm. in your bedroom You don't ever think you're going to be in that position So it was it was a whirlwind ride um, And it also made me feel good as well Because as I say, when I came out of ICW in 2016 I kind of thought, well that's my journey over You know, I've had some nice experiences And been you know, on shows with some cool people Met a lot of nice people as well Achieved a lot of my ambitions And then WCPW came along And it was just like pressing the reset button And it was just like being a kid again It was
1: really cool yeah, it's, it's the sort of thing, obviously, you hear a lot of wrestlers say themselves. Like, the likes of Wade Barrett left because he says, I, th- I think I've done everything I can at the minute. I'd like to try something different. It's not that he doesn't want to do WWE. Yeah. It's the fact that he wants something a bit different to challenge himself. Yeah. That was that sort of like, define what's for you, just a different challenge?
0: Well, like, if I'd, honestly, it just kind of happened. Like, I would love to sit here and say, like, I calculated, but when I left ICW, there wasn't a WCPW, you know, it was. It took another two or three months before they actually started that, when I left ICW, like, being honest, I just thought, ah, oh, well, you know, that was fun, <laughs> I got to be a manager for a while, and, you know, I, as I say, I got given a great opportunity, Mark Dallas put me in some nice spots, really great shows, I got to go on tour with them, etc., and I honestly did think, ah, oh, well, that's that. I did think about the possibility of maybe I'll try and become a manager elsewhere, but I had no clue how to do that because up until that point I'd only really done ICW. So because I'd snuck in the back door and I hadn't really went to a training school and like religiously and stuff like that, and then been headhunted out of that, Mm -hmm. I wasn't really that well known, if that makes sense. Certainly and a lot of promoters in Scotland are not really going to book a manager because if you think about it like that that money that they're paying you, that wage Could go towards a wrestler who can do a lot more things So I understand that So when I left ICW I just thought well that's that then And then WCPW started And it was just chaos
1: So through Defiant as well You've been able to call matches With the likes of Austin Aries And the former Neville pack Could you, would you be mind telling The listeners the story you told me Why it was so special to call matches with Austin Aries And Neville? Well this is
0: one of these <coughs> I always talk a lot and when I'm writing articles and stuff, I've always had a real problem with seeing when people in wrestling say, ah, what a marky thing they say. Mm -hmm. Listen, see when you were like seven years old, Mm -hmm. you were watching WrestleMania or something, what were you, a fan, a mark? You know, I mean, like Mark Dallas once said something to me where he was like, we're all marks. Mm -hmm. Like, it's true, we're all fans. So the story I told you was like just a really nice personal one because I'd always wanted to go to WrestleMania who doesn't you know no, what I mean it's one of these things and I got to go with Walk Culture and we put on a show out in Orlando which I wrestled on and the, the less said about that the better <laughs> let's just say I don't want to wrestle ever again a a wrestling matches inaccurate you know what I mean it wasn't a wrestling match it was it was me going the fuck did I do here for about 15 minutes was it
1: the equivalent of Bobby the Brain against Ultimate Warrior
0: oh no you can't put it into that Bobby <laughs> knew what he was doing compared to me I was just a scared kid just like what the hell am I doing here I don't belong out here. That match should have been like two minutes. Me getting shit canned, bumped, and that's it. It shouldn't have been 15 minutes of stalling and stuff. But anyway, so we're out there, getting going to Mania 33. It's 2017. And that was a buzz for me as well because The Undertaker was headlining that show. Mm-hmm. And I'd never seen the Undertaker live. So I was buzzed about that. I was I'd never seen Goldberg either. I was buzzed about that. But the opening match was on the kickoff show, I think. But it was the first match we saw was the cruiserweight title, Austin Aries against Neville. And I didn't think anything of that. The time was a good match. Mm-hmm. But I think we were just coming in at that point. We were still trying to find our seats and stuff. So I kinda caught like the majority of it. I didn't see their entrances, I didn't see the first exchange, but we caught the majority of it. And then fast forward, to make a long story short, doing commentary and Defiant and Austin Aries comes in mm-hmm. and that was a buzz for me as well to commentate him and he became Defiant Champion had great matches with Rampage and everyone else and then latterly just very recently we had Pac come in or Neville as he was called in WWE and he came in For a match with David Starr So I got to commentate that as well And then it struck me That I'd actually got to commentate Both halves of the very first Wrestlemania match that I saw live Mm -hmm. And I just thought that was pretty cool For a wee guy who grew up With a sister who had a passive interest in wrestling She liked Royal Rumbles And that was about it She liked Royal Rumbles And she liked Survivor Series And that was about it So I didn't have a lot of friends Apart from Ross across the street Who'd kind of grown out of wrestling Didn't have a lot of friends who were into wrestling Mm -hmm. And I used to just like Write down What my my dreams were And stuff like that on notepads And all this And one of my dreams Was that I wanted To Commentate One day For wrestlers Who had been at Wrestlemania Mm -hmm. I didn't specify I wanted the main event Or whatever I just wanted people Who had been on that card I wanted to call their matches And I got to Do that With Austin Aries And Neville Pack And it was just a really cool Personal moment for me so that was like, a, when I messaged you that on Twitter, that was like a dawning realisation for me as well. I'd only thought of that like a couple of days ago. So I was I was really excited about that. Really excited. And it lived up to expectations because both those guys are phenomenal workers. So,
1: yeah, happy with that. <laughs> you were talking about, obviously, your pal Ross had grown into wrestling. Was there anything worse And I think, the listeners who are still into wrestling? Because, you know, we all kind of look at it at times and go, I really should have grown out of this by now. Yeah. But is there anything worse than finding out your pal when you went to talk to him about wrestling and go, oh, I don't watch it anymore. Oh, I to I, like, part of you dies. Aye. It's but Ross used to, <coughs>
0: because he'd seen all these characters and watched these videos, mm-hmm. like, a million times he's like we're watching them in his house and it's like for example I think one of them was SummerSlam 93 right and one of the matches was Bret Hart against Jerry Lawler but Jerry Lawler comes out on crutches and says I've been in a car wreck I can't wrestle and he sends Doink the Clown to wrestle for him right and I just remember I reacted to that as a kid like, Oh oh god, I was terrified of clowns as well so I was like oh my god it's Doink whatever and he'd seen it all and I just remember him rolling his eyes and that was one of the first moments where I thought "Geez, I'm really not cool i being like, that's <laughs> really not cool at all and so you're totally right like that happened to me all the time guys at school like older guys I remember I was playing football with these guys one time and my pal Fraser his brother was in the year above us at school and we were playing football with all them and they were kind of like cool to us you know what I mean because they were like older boys and they're like, they all had girlfriends and stuff and they were like yeah they're like they're men and baby boys <laughs> so I mean it's funny the things you think But uh, I remember um, chatting to Fraser About like something that happened on Raw Or something like that And uh, I turned to his older brother Robert And I just went Oh did you see it? And he went I don't watch that I watched WCW NWO for life I remember he said that And I just remember being like Hell's WCW And like, that just seemed Like he's one step ahead of me he's so yeah. much cooler than me So it does You, you feel like I was kind of late to the party with a lot of these tapes as well I definitely felt as if people would laugh at that and like hit down like how dare you talk to me about WrestleMania
1: 7 mm-hmm. how dare you <laughs> so obviously when you were back in ICW you were reunited with Jen Louise and I saw a wee Twitter exchange of you two recently discussing about starting your own podcast mm-hmm. It was a podcast that fell through last year So is that still up there Or could we see the Jen and Jamie show Coming to their waves soon Hopefully My vision behind that To be honest with you was Have you ever met Jen? Briefly outside box After Barren She's she, she did a soundbite for us Alright And I went outside to find My pals doing the soundbite mm-hmm. And I wasn't even looking at her And she mucked up the intro And laughed And then turned to me Who she had just met and went he made me laugh. <laughs> I don't even know that. She's got one of the, like,
0: because she's as sweet as sweet can be, but she's got one of those, like, dead, <laughs> dirty laughs as well. Like, like I really, she'll be the first to tell you that. But in terms of the podcast, like, Jen's just someone that I met through ICW and I thought was lovely. Mm-hmm. Um, from the get go And I became really good friends With her as well And My idea for the podcast was If you spend significant time In her company Over a pint Or whatever You find that she's pretty much Ideal to be like A TV presenter Or something She's got that kind of Daytime Sugary sweet Like Philip Schofield vibe <laughs> and, Funny you say that Because the way That I worded this podcast to her Was <laughs> I want to do Because everyone was doing Like wrestling podcasts And stuff And there's loads of them And there's very good ones Including this one Of course and uh, <laughs> And my idea for it was to do something That I didn't Well maybe it has been done But I haven't seen it So I worded to Jen This I basically said Can we start a podcast It's basically two, an excuse for two pals To get a couple of beers and talk about wrestling But in a kind of whimsical nice way And she was like Well, I, well if you want kind of thing And I was like Right the best way to describe it is I want to be the Philip Schofield and Holly Willoughby of wrestling podcasts. Do you know what I mean? I want to be like daytime telly in a, in a wrestling podcast form. She was like, I would love that. So we started, but she's just so busy. You know what I mean? She's yeah. doing the Cultaholic stuff and the, the smashing it as well. She does a lot. Of, she helps out Inside the Ropes as well on their tours. She's so, so busy with ICW and all the rest of it. So it hasn't quite happened yet, but we occasionally when we meet up, it'll just be like, we should really mm. get back on that. Because I think we'd have a hell of a lot of fun. With it as well, so maybe watch this space.
1: So it's usually a generic question, so we're going to have a bit of fun with it. You're going to manage a stable, right? I need your dream defiant client. Okay. Your dream ICW client. Your dream current WWE client, and your dream client from your childhood. One of your childhood favourites. So it's a four-man stable. So we'll start with the defiant. Who do you want from there?
0: Sounds like an easy answer because he's a champ just now. But you know, when you. There's going to be two wrestlers on this list that this is pretty much the answer for. You know, that way when you you meet someone, you watch them work, and you're just like, Jesus, Hmm. like that is a wrestler to me. It would be Rampage Brown. Fair enough. Um, as, As soon as I saw him, I just thought. Like, that is my type of wrestler. You know, just a big guy who can move, but also smash people and throw them around as well. And he's a deceptively good talker as well. A lot of people don't give him credit for that Um, because I worked a program opposite him. I was managing a wrestler called Primate and they were doing this best of seven series, which the the idea actually got skewed because the idea was supposed to be that match one was just a match and match two was like, a street fight or a no DQ And then match three was like There was going to be like An ambulance involved And all like So it was going to escalate To the point that we were going to be In a cage at the end mm-hmm. So it was going to be like Seven stages of Seven deadly sins Kind of thing mm-hmm. Well it got ruined Because they ended up doing Like a tag match together Or something I didn't understand the booking But anyway I worked this programme Opposite Rampage And we were cutting Kind of dueling promos And I just thought It was really good Just really good And it was another Example to me of why he's one of the best wrestlers around. In terms of ICW, I would have to say, can I split this answer? Well, I'll give you I'll give you two and then I'll whittle it down to one. Is that okay? right, cool. the two that come to mind immediately are Wolfgang and Joe Coffee. Okay. And I would go for Joe Coffey simply because I remember like seeing him when he was young in ICW and just thinking, geez, he looks like a throwback to like the NWA. Mm-hmm. You know, like the 80s, like. Greg the Hammer Valentine And guys like that That's kind of what he reminded me of And obviously he's taken that further now He's someone that I just think Has unlimited potential I've heard like, stories That people in WWE are really high on him And rightfully so um, He's just gone from strength to strength So for ICW it'd be Joe Coffey In terms of WWE right now This is going to annoy a lot of people It's going to annoy a lot of people Braun Strowman Do you know why? Why? Like. Because how easy with the beating up promos about him uh, exactly <laughs> the size of him he, he sells himself there is a split answer in there but it's a selfish one it'd be Drew McIntyre mm-hmm. uh, but Braun Strowman definitely because I always watched Bobby Heenan with Andre the Giant their promos and like I could just tell that Heenan was having so much fun because he can just talk for days about him and that's how I'd feel about Braun Strowman mm-hmm. I just I wouldn't shut up mm-hmm. I'd be like Leo Rush on steroids. And I'd just be like, with how he is with Bobby Lashley, like I'd just be so annoying because I would, I would have so much to say about the guy. In terms of like classic wrestlers, I would have to say, oh God, that's a tougher one for some reason. Because I was like, um, what I'm thinking of is there's like guys who I would like to manage, but they don't necessarily. Not that the guys beforehand do need managers, but like I've seen these guys cut so many promos that it would yeah. kind of be cheeky to go, I'll do them. I would have to say if I was to put myself. In my shoes as a child, especially in the late '90s when I started to watch WCW and stuff, it would be Goldberg.
1: Goldberg, yeah. Brown.
0: Just because again, so easy to talk about, and his matches were short, so you'd only be out there for like two minutes.
1: <laughs> so a stable coming soon with Defiant Champion Rampage, with ICW Zero G Champion Joe Coffey, with future Universal Champion eventually Braun Strowman, and the former Universal Champion Goldberg
0: I'm a glory hunter really
1: <laughs> Jesus Christ that terrifies me and like <laughs> and fantasy and reality but truly do you want to come to the wrestling tonight Ross absolutely not <laughs> I've
0: got a definite like type of wrestler that I like yeah. I like I've always liked guys who look like wrestlers yeah. like I love don't get me wrong I love the style that's going on now like I don't know if you've got that halftime heat I've
1: not watched it yet But every wrestler
0: in that Balls to the wall Action Phenomenal right But I've always loved A bit of old school In the wrestlers That I like Mm -hmm. And obviously Goldberg qualifies for that Because He's old school to me Because I was a kid Braun Strowman has this Kind of giant vibe That's classic WWE (laughs) Joe Coffey The NWA Vibes that he gives off um, and Rampage also has that kind of aura about him as well so I've got this definite type I like people that I subscribe to that Vince McMahon thing where when people walk through an airport and they're just like everyone looks mm-hmm. I like that kind of wrestler that's what I like
1: <laughs> that's a truly terrifying staple it really <laughs> is right so we'll go for a wee bit of quick fight here before we wrap it up Hogan or Savage oh Jesus technically
0: Randy Savage but I was a Hogan guy as I'm a kid Hogan guy. yeah right. I was always a Hulkster Rock or Austin? Austin for me. I mean, Rock speaks for himself for what he's went on to do, but I just, I kind of wish that, even though it worked out well for him, I kind of wish that Austin, well, obviously, I wish he hadn't injured his neck at SummerSlam 97, but he kind of changed his style after that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, and he, he had to, because he was more limited with his neck and stuff. I kind of wish, I would have loved to have seen the matches he was capable of having mm-hmm. if that hadn't happened with, like, Shawn Michaels and stuff.
1: So, Austin for me. I mean, he died there being the biggest rock fan in the I world. <laughs> <laughs> so, obviously, you're a commentator and that's something you've always wanted to do. Mean Gene or Bobby the Brain? Oh,
0: man. Oh, that's brutal. My heart says Bobby the Brain Heenan because he was my hero.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I mean, Mean Gene Okerlund. I don't think there's a better backstage interviewer mm-hmm. ever than him. I, mean, I know that's like a typical thing to say. Mm-hmm. You've heard a lot of He's passed away. And a lot of people have been saying that, but I just think almost underappreciated when I was a kid, Mm -hmm. me and Gene Okerlund, because I just thought he had an easy gig. It wasn't easy. Some of the stuff he had to do was really difficult. But Bobby the Brain Heenan, because he was my guy growing up. Fair
1: enough. Uh, Night in or night out?
0: I'm a night in kind of guy. (laughs) Uh, You you can probably tell from this conversation I don't get out much.
1: (laughs) Well, you've told me before you're a bit of a gamer, so PlayStation or Xbox? Oh... PlayStation,
0: because I grew up with PlayStation. I went to Xbox with the 360, Mm -hmm. which I think was the right call in retrospect, but I went back to PlayStation for the PS4, and I think that was the right call as well. So definitely a Sony guy. Alex Gracie or Lucas Archer? Oh, come on. That's tough. (laughs) That's
1: why they're in here. There's there's tougher ones coming.
0: (laughs) I'm going to have to go with Lucas Archer, simply because one time we were out, after a show and I bought Alex Gracie a pint. He never bought me one back. He's around dodger. I don't know if he's around dodger, but he never bought me one back. Nah, that's yeah. not true. But that's I have to give you a story to go. I I'm going to go Lucas Archer just because you'll never meet a nicer guy. Gracie's a, a great guy as well, but
1: look, Wait, he dodges around. round, not he? Dodges a, round, I mean, dodge's a That's all dude. we need to talk about <laughs> now. <laughs> I think I actually owe him a pint, to be honest with you. Uh, Christopher or Kenneth?
0: I'm going to go Kenny Williams on that. The only reason being he's a pint or not, he's not. <laughs> uh, the only reason being is that, like, I mean, look at what he's become.
1: Yeah. You know. You want, the, you want the line when you said you were a glory hunter? <laughs> primate or Joe Hendry?
0: Oh, I'd, um, I had a lot of fun managing Primate, but it wasn't for the longest spell. So I'm going to have to go Joe Hendry simply because mm-hmm. that was probably the first guy that I managed where I actually felt like I belonged. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Here's a quick side story on the, the 55 as well. The thing about the 55 was look at the talent that was in that and the experience as well. Guys like Kid Fight, Sha Samuels, Martin Kirby was in it earlier on, Tim Wiley and Bram came into it. They even brought uh, Nick Aldous, Magnus in for a couple of shots as well and, uh, and Doug Williams, i got to manage him through that. I wasn't ready for that. No, the, the, Those guys were so experienced and they were expecting a manager who really had his shit together and, and was going to be there without being told a lot. Mm-hmm. I wasn't at that stage. So... The difference with Joe Hendry was that he was new, Mm -hmm. so we kind of fed off each other. There was no pressure on either side, whereas in the 55, certainly at first, I I was really nervous about that because I felt under pressure to live up to expectations. It might be a different story now, but certainly like three or four years ago, I was really nervous. But I've rambled again, Joe Hendry's the answer. Aries or Neville? I was going to say Austin Aries there because I was going to say he's a better talker. But Pac cut a promo for us in Defiant mm-hmm. just recently that was an absolute cracker. And I remember that he came into his own when he started doing the King of Cruiserweights thing on 2-5 Live as well. So that's an even tougher one. Uh, I'm going to go Austin Aries because I, really, I remember seeing him. Someone showed me some ROH stuff years and years ago that he was involved in. And I also really enjoyed him in TNA as well. It was really good to see someone like that get an opportunity to be a world champion, especially because he's not the biggest guy. Yeah, absolutely.
1: So, Cody Rhodes or Kenny Omega?
0: I'm going to anger Dave Meltzer fans everywhere. <laughs> and I'm going to go Cody Rhodes. And there's a reason beyond the actual wrestling. I just think, what a smart guy. Mm-hmm. You know, to like... That was a risk for him. To like, he had an easy... Not an easy gig, but he had like a cushy gig at Stardust and WWE. Mm-hmm. And I just think it was really brave of him to go, I'm not happy here. I want to go and do my own thing. And then you look at what he's done off the back of that. He's an entrepreneur and he's created his own business. And look at where All Elite Wrestling is already. Look at how many people are talking about it. So I would have to say him because what a businessman.
1: Jesus. Favourite pay-per-view you've called and defined? Favourite one was the
0: No Regrets because they had a rumble. And that was the first Rumble I'd ever called. It was a 30-man Rumble. (laughs) And I pretty much just ripped off Bobby Heenan from 1992. (laughs) Because Joe Hendry was... We were doing this at the time. We're not anymore because he's babyface. But he was in a group called The Prestige at that point. And I was pretty much his cheerleader on commentary. Unofficial manager, if you like. That's how I looked at it. Like Taz Uh, and he he said (laughs) names. Aye, pretty much. Yeah, And like Heenan and Flair and guys like that. So I would just like cheerlead him throughout the whole Rumble. So I would like... I had so much fun with that. I was pretending that you know, there had been a space-time continuum. And, you know, even though he'd only been in for an hour, he'd actually broken a record. He'd been in the Rumble for, like, two weeks <laughs> and stuff. So I was just having... And Dave's going, well, you'd be... He's just ripping off Galileo Monsoon. So he's like, well, you'd be serious. And me and him are just having an absolute blast mm-hmm. doing this. And Joe joined us on commentary throughout the Rumble as well to catch a breather. Ah, uh, yeah, no regrets. Cause they also had on that pay-per-view as well, Rampage beat Austin Aries for the title, which was a great match uh, as well. So no regrets from
1: last year, I right? think we're doing a, another rumble this year which I can't wait for. So before we continue with the quick fire, Joe Hendry did a video on Defiant's Facebook page when he was champion mm-hmm. calling out the rock. How much would you love to see a rock, Joe Hendry, if you just for the promos alone?
0: I'd love to see it because I know how much Joe would be buzzing about it. Yeah you know I because mean? like I think it's no secret to anyone. When you look at Joe Henry's mannerisms and the way he carries himself and the cadence of how he talks and promos, he's parned a lot of that after The Rock. So, like, for him personally that would be like the dream. And he might get a gig in Hollywood out of it, you never know, so, no. <laughs> go for it, Joe.
1: So, TV show you're watching at the minute? <laughs> Just finished watching that brutal
0: Ted Bundy tapes documentary on Netflix. Conversations with a serial killer. yeah have um,
1: the film coming soon as well, the Zac Efron one.
0: Oh, that's right, yeah. Apparently it's a d- dark humour, it's
1: like a comedy almost, it's got like elements of comedy, don't know how they're going to work that one. I think it's more the fact the actual ten Bundy, they always say he was charming and cheeky and all that.
0: Yeah, well see, like this is going to sound incredibly controversial to a lot of people, but see if you actually watch how he carried himself, that guy could have been a world class actor, with the way he is charming, he was charming, he's dead now, boiler alert for anyone want to watch it, but I, he was such a deceitful, manipulative. He's everything I would want my character to be, apart from, obviously, the senior <laughs> killing
1: aspect of it. Uh, quickly, two film questions. What's one film that everybody's seen that you haven't? Um, Finding Nemo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my childhood died there. What is one universally loved film that you absolutely hate? A film you hate that everyone's like, oh, what? Finding Nemo. No. Uh, <laughs> I would say, it's
0: a bit going back a bit, but I would, I've got a reason for it as well, Titanic. Do you know why? Just because I get made to go and see that about 30 times with my sister in the cinema down in Campbelltown. Honestly, about 30 times. I think I actually counted, I think it was like 33 or something. She'll know, because she was addicted to it. And I remember even as a wee guy thinking, like, just looking at my mum, like, Buyer the bloody video. Why do I need to go and watch this again? The video is fourteen ninety nine. Get her that. It's fucking seven quid for us to go to the pictures. So Titanic, simply because of that, and also because a guy who used to bully me at school had an identical haircut to Leo DiCaprio in that movie, and
1: it, it sickens me to look back. Huh? So you do not believe the heart will go on. <laughs> no, heart stopped beating. <laughs> did favorite ICW show you've
0: ever did? Manager or commentary. The favourite one I was on was the first garage one in 2012, because it felt like, because we'd been in like classic grand Apollo 23, which was beneath Walkabout, Mm -hmm. and the funny thing about that venue was no one could come off the top rope because the ceiling was too Mm -hmm. low. Uh, So we'd done all these wee things, but like the garage was a a venue everyone had been to gigs Mm -hmm. there, you know, you'd, you'd been there before as a kid, so... It just took on this new atmosphere. You kind of knew at that point, this hey, this company's going places. And the second one is the SCCC, simply because, Jesus, what a buzz. You know, like, I never, I remember, and this is the God's honest truth, first time I met Mark Dallas in person, after stalking him on Facebook for a while, <laughs> the first time I met him in person was my very first show, and it was outside walkabout, and I'd just been, Rangers were playing Celtic in a, a cup game that day. And I'd been to the pub with a couple of pals to watch it. And I think it was a 2 old. Do you remember that one where Jamie Ness scored that screamer early on?
1: Jamie Ness scores the screamer and then Scott Brown and Juve start their argument. Aye, two that's the one.
0: Year. So I'd been to watch that. So I was hyped up, shall we <laughs> say. i, I just been to say an old fun game in the pub with my pals. Turn up for this ICW show about... There was an early game, so it finished about half two. Turned up about... Quarter to three Whenever I get down To walkabout And I spoke to Mark Dallas Outside and he introduced himself And he said Yeah like uh, The venue's nothing special Tonight but I don't know If you've ever been in here Blah, And I was like No 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 And he went yeah But see within five years I want to run the SECC And I just remember thinking What a strange thing to say You know what I mean Like when I've just met you But I remember It hit me the night Before the SCCC He was right He actually done it Crazy the hydro wasn't. I think that
1: hydro was like just being built at that point. So I don't think yeah. anyone thought. CCC was the biggest at the time. It was the biggest. Yeah, and, but he done it, and then he had three years at the biggest one. I know exactly. No many people can say that. So and um, just to end us off, best wrestler in the world today, Alicia Fox. No, um, <laughs> best northern like suplex in the game today. Oh, it's a belt, isn't
0: it? <laughs> Best wrestler, that's that's a really tough one Because it's always subjective With If you follow the kind of like wrestling observer Dave Meltzer, I guess it would have to be Kenny Omega mm-hmm. For me, the one that I enjoy watching the most Consistently As an all-round package Would be Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins He's a guy that I just I loved him as Tyler Black in ROH And he was one of the first guys to get me interested In NXT I know he was very early on in NXT as well um, but I just remember seeing that picture Where he's just won the belt Remember the old biscuit tin lid belt that NXT had <laughs> Yes,
1: It was just terrible looking It looked like a belt buckle that a woman would wear Around a belt around yes, the dress.
0: Exactly, And it was just Triple H was raising his hand And I think Dusty Rhodes was there as well And mm-hmm. I uh, just remember you, you latch on To certain wrestlers and you enjoy their journey He's a guy that I've enjoyed his journey and I, I'm personally looking forward to seeing him against Brock Lesnar as well at WrestleMania. So Seth Rollins for me is one of the best. Of course, you have to put Daniel Bryan in the conversation. AJ Styles, you could go on. Dana Brooke, you could, you could go on and on. You know, it's just an endless list
1: fair enough so we've settled on Dana Brooke Dana Brooke world class talent (laughs) before we do our outro just once again where can people find you on social media
0: you can get me on Twitter at Top Class Kennedy I'm also on Instagram at Top Class Kennedy as well if you like cat pictures Instagram's the way to go if you don't Twitter's the way to go. If you don't like me, none of them.
1: It's really up to you. Where can we find your Defiant podcast with Dave Bradshaw?
0: You can get that just now. We're trying to expand it onto Spotify and iTunes and and different places like that. But for now, it's on the Defiant Wrestling YouTube channel. You just go on YouTube, type in uh, Defiant Wrestling. That'll take you to the channel. You'll find the latest episodes of Reloaded on there. It's really just about half an hour long. And it's just me and Dave... In character, running down all the stories we occasionally have special guests on. We just have fun with it. It's just really why we started that podcast was just like... Me and Dave have become good pals, and he will not admit to that. <laughs> By the way, he will not admit to that, yes, but we, we have.
1: We will edit you saying you like him out of this podcast, it's
0: okay. <laughs> but we've become good pals, and we've got a, a nice chemistry together, and it was really just an excuse to keep that going, and also to give us easy prep for shows, because mm-hmm. if we're talking about it every week, we're going to be prepared. So, Is it, is it sort of like a talking
1: smack sort of thing? Kind of, yeah,
0: yeah. And we're hoping to expand it as well and get more guests, as I say, and maybe do
1: some live ones at the pay-per-views and things as well. So, Fair enough. So... You can find us on social media at Suplex Retweet on the Cat Loving Instagram, on the cat hating Twitter, and on the cat neutral Facebook. <laughs> you can find us on Spotify, iTunes, Anchor, all Android podcasting sites. Just type Suplex Retweet in. I'd like to thank James R. Kennedy to join us today for talking about old from Darby's DM sliding Mark Dallas, Titanic and Haircuts. <laughs> Living in Campbelltown Serial killers Ted Bundy Dana Brooke being the best in the world And much much more <laughs> Thanks for joining us mate
0: Thank you very much for having me And I'm sorry I've ruined your podcast <laughs> Not at
1: all Not at all <laughs> Quacky will have his work cut out I said edit So we're going to say see, see you later guys Right bye
0: Listen c- I don't care what the f*** you think you're doing Whatever you think is more important with your life You th- honking bag of d*** tips you know what you should be doing you should be going
1: online you should be subscribing you should be listening to the back catalogue of eat sleep suplex retweet whatever the fuck you're doing that's what you should be doing i don't care if it's your mum's birthday i don't care if she's feeling contractions get on it right now